1: real noom user compensated to provide their story.
0: In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Big Squid. My name is Justin Hamilton. And in today's episode, my co-host is Siobhan Coombs, the co-host of the comic book podcast, Serious Issues. Siobhan joins me to help unpack the first chapter of the Watchmen graphic novel. Whether you've read the original comic or not, we're going to discuss the story, the origins of the characters, have a little bit of a talk about the philosophy of the story, and there's even a solid tangent about Dick Grayson's bum. That's right, we talk a lot about the original Robin's ass. This podcast really has a bit of everything. Uh, before we get into it, I'd like to say thank you for the kind words online. It's been a real treat to hear from you, and it's also a relief to know that you haven't entirely forgotten me. So uh, I'm totally wrapped with all of that in the first episode, we talked about a lot of real-life events that form the HBO series, so over at our Facebook page, I've linked a number of articles and information that you can read, which help bring into focus the minutiae of this story. Uh, the Facebook page is Big Squid with Justin Hamilton. If you're not a Facebook member or would rather avoid the Zuckerberg universe, you can head over to my website justinhamilton.com.au and in the blog section I have written a little piece about why I've returned to podcasting and within that blog there are all the links for the articles that I've just mentioned. Uh, I've also linked another podcast, it's from our friends at The Dollop where Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds talked about real-life hero Bass Reeves, the African-American cowboy you see on the small screen at the beginning of the first episode. I've had an opportunity to re-watch the episode and wanted to quickly point out a few things we didn't get to in the first episode. I loved that moment early on when Don Johnson's character is talking to the wife of the cop who was shot and she says, he liked you. And uh, the sheriff replies, he likes me. It's such a small moment. It's such subtle writing. and, And Don Johnson's performance and delivery of that line is is so small and soft but it just tells you so much about the man and it's it it was it was one of those things in in the moment i was like oh that's really good i know it sounds like it's inconsequential but it's there's 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 a real maturity and a real a real strength to that moment and of course so many things happened in the rest of the episode that i didn't quite get around to pointing out how much I loved that moment. And, you know, ah, <laughs> oh, Don Johnson. Like I hope we get him in flashbacks, right? He was so good. It was devastating at the end. But anyway, I loved that little moment. Uh I don't know about you guys, but how'd you feel about the cows being shot? I I found it really disturbing and also quite absurd at the same time. Absurd in a good way, not as in I'm dismissing it, but it was such a full-on visual that I found it really, really quite disturbing. And it just seemed to go on and on. It kind of felt like a, a, a like a war version of, if you've ever seen the Coen Brothers movie, Oh Brother, We're Out There, there's, there's a moment where a cow gets hit by a car and it, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And uh, I remember seeing that in the cinema and feeling disturbed. And as someone who doesn't really like to see animals, hurt, just seeing all these cows shot was just something else. I'm curious to know how you felt about that. Did you even notice that? Were you too busy worrying about the characters to worry about the cows? Someone has to worry about the cows. I was definitely worrying about them. Another little thing that I noticed, and I forgot to bring up uh, in the previous podcast, was when uh, Regina King's character breaks the eggs and she makes a smiley face. And of course, the smiley face is so important to the graphic novel of Watchmen. But I I realised that in the moment, like I knew that was a smiley face, I knew what it was referencing, but in, in a TV show that is full of Easter eggs, what I kind of missed was that at that point, they literally smashed an egg in our face. It was a literal breaking of an Easter egg using eggs, and that is very funny. That's a very funny visual pun there, so I I love that. I I don't know if you saw it that way, but uh, yeah. Just uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, ah, oh, that's very clever. Uh, just as the comic had ancillary material, the TV show has extras as well. I don't know if you know about this. I only learned about this a couple of days ago. There's a page at HBO.com forward slash PDpedia. That's spelt P-E-T-E-Y-P-E-D-I-A. I'll link the uh, this page at the Facebook page for you to find if you don't want to be trying to remember it at the moment, so don't worry about that. But these are the personal files of Agent Dale Peaty, a new character in the series who serves as the FBI's Information Technology Administrator. So, I I won't tell you what it says, because that will defeat the purpose of you having a read, but if you're like me and you enjoy this nerdy stuff, you will get right into that. So, once again, I'll link that on the official Big Squid with Justin Hamilton Facebook page. And finally, what do you think is going on with Jeremy Irons and his servants? So, so the theory is that he's Ozymandias, he's Adrian Veet uh, from the comic, the, the the secret villain of the graphic novel, and we see in a paper earlier that Adrian Veidt is declared dead, but it, it appears that he might be Adrian Veidt, and so I I knew the whole servant part was bizarre, and I, I my my thought is do, do you think they're clones? I'm wondering if there's some cloning going on. Because there's such a such a weird moment when they present him with this cake and one of the servants gives him a horseshoe to cut it with. And 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 Jeremy Irons performance is he's just a little bit exasperated, isn't he? He's not weirded out. Like if someone did that to me, I'd think, Oh, this person's having a stroke. But this he he just seems exasperated, like he's had to put up with this shit all the time. And then he eats one bite of the cake and the cake is awful. And they seem to be celebrating something, but it's not like a birthday or or anything like that. It seems something strange that they're celebrating, and I'm wondering if he's getting into cloning in some way. Cloning, of course... Uh, there's, there's an aspect of cloning in the graphic novel. That's how we get the giant squid at the end. So is is this him trying to live longer or is he, is he trying to uh, clone a new body so he can continue the good fight? I wonder if he's maybe going to try and recreate the accident that gave Dr. Manhattan his powers so then maybe he can do what Dr. Manhattan refuse to do in the graphic novel are there more squids on the way like the squids raining from the sky is is that something that he's continuing to do to keep the people in fear of these aliens from coming down like So many questions. And isn't that great, isn't it? I just love watching a TV series and being totally immersed and just having question after question after question. We've only got eight more episodes, so I think we're in for a real wild ride with this. But anyway... I'll save more of these thoughts for our next episode. I just wanted to share those with you now and uh, see what you think. Please write to me at the Facebook page or my or my site with your thoughts. Uh, I'm setting up a conversation page on Facebook too, uh, uh, so then we can... Join in on that and we can talk and not have to worry about spoilers and that we can talk really freely about where we're going. I'm a bit behind in the setup of that uh, conversation page. Uh, To be honest, who would have thought there would be so much to unpack in the first five minutes of the first episode, let alone the rest of the episode? But I will get right on to that and then we can go in there and we can just discuss to our hearts content about where we think this story is going uh just request to join it's not a big deal Uh, you can jump in i just want us to have a little safe space anyway let's get stuck into this episode with siobhan i hope you enjoy our chat and uh this episode of this podcast is named after the opening chapter at midnight all the agents Delight in meeting your partner
1: Lovely, the lovely Nate as he's known
0: Oh my god, it's too much (laughs) Like what a great guy Um, I I immediately was like, well can we be Friends, this would be fantastic (laughs) And uh, I thought it was uh, Super cute that you guys, uh, he, he broke down your relationship as you're the DC girl and he's the Marvel boy.
1: Yes, we met We met at the comic book store as all good romances. You know what's really funny is that I actually know so many people, so many of the King's Comics staff have met their partners through the comic book store. Because I think when you're that much of a comic book person, you really need to find someone who understands. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's such a specific niche. As much as it's popular now, right? you need to find someone who really um, is going to accept that part of yourself.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, to the last thing you want is someone looking at you weirdly when you're on the lounge, exactly reading the latest issue of Paper Girls. Exactly,
1: exactly, <laughs> exactly. You need you need a supportive partner for that kind of lifestyle.
0: Oh, definitely. And uh, you know, did you ever date uh, people that didn't read comics?
1: Um, no, <laughs> no, I never have. Right, but I've definitely I had that interaction with a dude where he'd be like, "Oh, you like comics?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I like comics." And they'd be like, "Ah." Oh let me test you and they'd try oh. and test me on my sweet comic book knowledge right. and i would go like way too deep and way too nerdy and really oh. overwhelm them and then they'd like just go like oh no i'm not interested oh <laughs> yeah
0: fantastic happened happen well, too many times well that's a good way to get rid of them well as absolutely well. yeah also what a what a typical dude oh yeah let me test you and they're like so, oh hang on intimidating she knows more
1: yeah absolutely when i'd be like behind the counter in a comic book store people would still be like so do you even read these i'd be like nah nah don't like them
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a weird Burnham. question! <laughs> yeah, what, what got you into comics?
1: Just always have. Just I can't think of a time when I didn't read comics. Like I yeah. grew up reading Archie comics and Tintin. As oh yeah, sort of, uh, my like gateway,
2: asterix? gateway drugs.
1: You know, I was never an Asterix person. I find right. that growing up, you're either Tintin or Asterix. Yeah, for I some reason. Yeah, Tintin's so much better, man. You're yeah. wrong. I'm sorry to tell you that you're wrong. Yeah, Tintin's no, I'm fine. With that. Um,
0: I only ever read the uh, Tintin issues where he went to space.
1: Oh, those are great ones, though. Yeah. But I find my like—I um, think my favorite Tintin story is Tintin in Tibet. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah.
1: He fights a yeti, um, and my son's just getting into it as well, oh, um, which great. is really nice. But That's they're such good like adventure stories, and looking right. back at them as an adult, you're like, wow, he's such a sophisticated cartoonist. Right? Um, they're so impressive. I love Tintin.
0: Yeah, and so that was your that was your gateway, and yeah. then and then what was your first? Uh, do you remember your first superhero? Comic?
1: Yeah. So I um. The, the news agents near my high school had uh, a fairly, like, patchy selection of DC comics. So, I would just go in and get, like, a Batgirl comic or a Teen right. Titans comic right. or a Batman comic. Just whatever. Just a one-off. Um, anything I could find. And then I got a part-time job and I just spent all of my money Amazing. on overpriced news agents comics. Yeah. And then I got super into Teen Titans. That yeah. was the thing that kind of got me into, like, superhero comics.
0: Is that the Wolfman Perez Era or the
1: first, the first one I got into was the Jeff Johns era, oh, which right. I think still holds up as like extremely yep. excellent superhero comics. Yep. But then, because it's also the sort of shared universe element really grabbed me, and so then I went back and I read all the Wolfman Perez stuff, which is right. all totally brilliant. Um, and then kind of that all, you find yourself needing to know what happened in Infinite Crisis, and then you read that, and you're like, oh well, I want to know who this character right. is, and then you read that, and then yeah, then you're hooked.
0: Then you're hooked. That's how they get you.
1: And then I started working at King straight out of high school, and that was it.
0: Yeah, right. Wow.
1: I've been there since I was 17. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah.
0: the uh, th- That Wolfman-Perez uh, era is really defining for the Dick Grayson character.
1: Absolutely. The issue where he... Um, decides that he's going to be Nightwing is so good. It's so funny. It has him literally stripping off in the middle of, like, a circle of his friends, taking off his Robin costume and sort of uh, monologuing about, like, how he's no longer a little boy and he needs to be Nightwing and he puts on the big collar. It's so weird. It's so strange and I just love it.
0: The disco suit.
1: It's the best costume of all time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. I did a – there was – uh, I did some plays this year, and oh, cool. one of the monologues was about Dick Grayson, ah. and it was a uh, it was about how in comics characters remain static, but somehow through you know hundreds of different writers and artists and that he's grown from a little boy into a teenager into a ma- that, to the extent you know like the Nicholas Scott
1: yeah 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 now he's a sex symbol now he's, he's an a sex icon symbol, right
0: <laughs> you, were you in charge of the so uh for the, everyone listening uh, Nicholas Scott is uh, an artist who was uh, has drawn uh, lots of great comics yes. but is also really well known for drawing dick grayson with a great ass
1: yeah she is um she it's like this thing now that yeah. dick grayson has a great butt yeah and it totally comes back to this one issue of i think secret six that she drew him in right and it was just like he was lit from the back right and he had his head over his shoulder and yeah. it's just like this amazing ass um and that was it that was all it took but she she is like nicola draws handsome men who you want to have sex with. Right. <laughs> that yeah. is her like that is what she is best at. Yeah. She's told me some hilarious stories about how um because I always have a problem with the fact that no superhero looks like they have a dick. I think it's really right. weird. I think it's just weirder right. to like have it be really flat. And I've had a lot of discussions with people about this. Yeah. But Nicola says that she always draws them much, much more prominent. Right. But um that then the colors come back and they've like really flattened it out. Oh yeah. <laughs> they've shaded it out and I'm like that's such a shame. Why? <laughs>
0: it's funny, isn't it? It's like uh uh we, we we kind of want to think of them as um uh, above sex. Is that what it is with uh well, you know like is that is yeah. that the theory?
1: I don't know. I think I it's just either. that it's rude. Right. I think it's just too rude. And comics are in this, especially superhero comics, are in this like really strange thing where it's like, it's not for kids. It's super yeah. violent. The yeah. women are naked. But no, 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 no. Men can't have a penis. Goodness gracious. Tone. That's
0: too rude. Well, the the the, the bat penis in the yeah. Batman Dan has uh, like, pretty much sunk that imprint.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like... It was barely even there. It was it like was barely there. It was just confirmation that he has one. It was just like right. the suggestion of a penis. It wasn't even like front and center.
0: Yeah. What do you mean Bruce Wayne has a penis? Like, <laughs> you know, like he obviously <laughs> doesn't. He just he just adopts kids.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> That's what he obviously, does. Obviously, He can't have them.
0: And then when you had Nicholas Scott at the uh, uh, at the store, mm-hmm. King's Comics, uh, were you in charge of the cake? That was that m-
1: was that was my cake. I made that cake. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Siobhan made a cake that was uh, Dick Grayson's ass. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic.
1: It's it's one of my proudest moments. <laughs> yeah, you should,
0: like it was impressive. Like I saw the photo, I was like, holy shit. And it looked delicious as yeah, well exactly. as a cake uh, and a bum. Uh, yeah. And so when did you read – so you started off with, you know, that DC mm-hmm. uh, stuff. When, when did you discover Watchmen?
1: Um, I have a really, like, distinctive sense memory of what reading Watchmen on my high school boyfriend's bed. Oh, right. Um and I, I remember because he was really into it. I think I think dudes are like naturally really attracted to grim stuff and yep. I was more like, mm, I like fun adventures and yep. uh, manga and stuff like that. Right. Um but I, I do remember enjoying it, but it not blowing me away the same way it seemed to blow away everyone else around me. Right. Um but I do remember reading it for the first time.
0: And did you read it as a graphic novel? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did you did you possibly have too many people telling you it was brilliant?
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's my main problem with most things. I'm always <laughs> like, I'm, I'm more determined not to enjoy something if someone tells me, if too many people tell me it's brilliant. If something's like top of the list of like, must read graphic novels, I'm right. always like, I don't want it.
0: There's always a part of me that's wrapped when I love something and no, nobody else watches it. And I yes. like to be evangelical about it. And yes. And, uh...
1: Or even my favorite is if I love something that everyone else hates. That's yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah. So I can just be really annoying and contrary. So when I first started <laughs> when I first started at Kings, I'd be really like, Yeah, I just don't think Alan Moore's that good. Oh, I just great. don't think he's that great. great. Just to get into arguments with people, yeah. just to be annoying. Um and now obviously I'm a much bigger fan of his work. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: it's but it's fun to be contrary, especially, yeah. you know, pressing buttons is always a, a fun thing, especially Absolutely. in a comic store because everyone's uh feelings are Right there on the on, yeah. on their skin, absolutely. <laughs> so you can see that button right there and go pop, and then just <laughs> sit back and wow, they really got upset when I said that I thought Thor could beat Superman in a fight. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. This is fantastic. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? The uh, boys uh, and men seem to go for this uh, grim kind of stuff. Uh, I've often found that the the stuff that I really love is uh, you know more like Animal Man or yeah uh, yeah 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 you know yeah. I, I like I like it to be more. I like big ideas yes. rather than, you know, someone looks like they can't stop clenching their teeth.
1: Well, exactly. I'm much more of a... As much as I um, appreciate the place that Rob Liefeld has created in comic books, right? I'm much more of a... Like, I love Grant Morrison. I'm yeah. a big Grant Morrison fan because I think that the way that he approaches the concept of superheroes and the way that he chooses to solve problems yeah. that they face is so much more interesting than just like a big... Beat em up battle, yeah, you know i I enjoy a sort of clever take on things, oh yeah, um, much more
0: well when I started getting into him and then uh i like within I can't remember exactly, but it feels like it was within a few months, I could have that incorrect, but uh, within a few months, you had the ending of animal Man and his run on doom patrol, mm. and both endings were unbelievable to me and yeah. had it had a huge influence on me as uh as a writer, I guess, uh, and that was especially the 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 Doom Patrol final issue with Crazy Jane is uh, one of the most phenomenal comics I've ever read.
1: I he's think. such a um, he's such a strange man.
0: Yeah, have you met him?
1: No, God, I would love to. I've uh, heard really strange stories about people who have.
0: Oh, right. I, you know what? I uh, I've met him a couple of times, uh. but I hosted a uh, thing at the Opera House with oh, him. Did you do Dave that? McKean and Len Wein? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was that like? It was great mm. and uh, they were really funny and they were really nice. And yeah. uh, I remember standing on the uh, Opera House uh, balcony and uh, the, the fireworks were going off and uh, a helicopter flew past us that had, uh, must have had green lights on the road, it's, so it had, was making a green spiral. And uh, I was standing there with Gerard Way and yep. Grant Morrison's wife and as it flew past us, I don't know why, but Grant and I looked at each other and he he looked at me and said, It's the Joker's helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, oh, Grant Morrison, you're awesome. I love you. I love that that was his uh, first thought. But... um uh, yeah, you've got to be careful about getting close to people you really admire, yeah. even for a short amount of time. And uh, Len Wein was, like, a gentleman, like, oh. really, and very funny. Yeah. Made a lot of jokes about uh, Alan Moore. Oh, really? Yeah, being a wizard, and he was scared to say anything in case he uh, got turned into a frog by well, him, you know. Well,
1: Grant Morrison and um, Alan Moore have that, like, yeah. wizard battle ongoing. Oh,
0: it's so funny. Which I love. I love it as well. And, you know, uh, uh my friend uh, Richard Fardler uh, was saying that he was speaking to uh, uh, Robin Ince, who is uh, friends yep, with yep, Alan yep, yep, yep. Moore. And that oh. means, he, I think if you're friends with Alan Moore, I don't think you get to be friends with Grant Morrison.
1: No, I would assume not. I would assume it's a pretty, um yeah. you're down the line. Well, they ha- they seem to have such a different approach and a different attitude to like their magic and work. Yeah. Like Alan Moore has this real, like, you're, um, you're too flippant. Like, yeah. Young boy, you're not being careful enough with powers that you don't understand. Right, and Grandma Rosens be like, "Hey man, it's fine.
2: Yeah,
0: just relax. Yeah, exactly. Just reinventing it's myself just all the time. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, okay, well, let's get into the uh summary of this uh first issue or chapter, as mm-hmm. you uh, would have uh, experienced it, mm-hmm. but. uh We start off on October 12th, 1985, with two police detectives investigating the murder of Edward Blake. Blake died when he was thrown out of a window by an unknown assailant and then splattered all over the pavement like a massive ripe tomato. After the police leave, the vigilante, who goes by the name of Rorschach, breaks into the crime scene and investigates the apartment. He discovers that Edward Blake was the secret identity of the comedian, a superhero who, in the last part of his career, was working for the government. We cut to Dan Dryberg, a retired superhero who was once known as the Night Owl. He returns home after catching up with Hollis Mason, another long-retired hero who was not only the original Night Owl, but also the inspiration for Dan's costumed adventures. Dan returns home to find that Rorschach has broken into his apartment to inform him that the comedian has been murdered. Rorschach also entertains the idea that the murder wasn't random, but also part of a bigger plot to kill former superheroes. Dan tells his former partner that he's being paranoid. Rorschach visits more ex-superheroes that he used to work with. One is billionaire Adrian Veet, who was once known as the hero Ozymandias. He also visits Laurie Jusipek, once known as the Silk Spectre, and John Osterman, also known as Dr. Manhattan, and the only superhero in this world who actually has superpowers. None of these ex-heroes take Shark seriously. Later that night, Dana and Laurie touch base and reminisce about their time as costumed heroes and what happened to all those good times. And we finish with a quotation from Bob Dylan and his song Desolation Row. At midnight, all the agents and superhuman crew go out and round up everyone who know more than they do and uh, that's where we get the title of this issue which is at midnight all the agents Um, so you know each chapter begins with a close-up of the first panel and the first thing we notice that makes it stand out from uh, previous uh, comics is the blood we see a blood splotch across one eye suggesting obscured vision but many of the main characters believe they have special insight into the nature of human existence um, what do you think, what do you think this kind of means for the characters as uh, as we follow them in that do they have do they have insight into their world or uh, do, do you think they're fooling themselves in many ways
1: well i think the thing that's interesting is that they all do seem to have legitimate insight like they mm. all have some kind of truth yeah. that they are fighting for but it's just not it's not the big T truth that they think right. it is, right? Um, especially, but, especially
0: Rorschach, um, especially all of them. Yeah, really. yeah, they have a truth. Yeah, but it's uh, they're very dogmatic as well, aren't they? They don't quite. Uh, no no one is willing to bend or look yeah. from another viewpoint,
1: except for maybe. Except for maybe Dan, poor old oh tubby yeah, Tubby Dan. He seems a bit like his main feature seems to be like absolute insecurity. Right. And the fact that his glasses are so often reflected. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. very rarely see his eyes. I feel like maybe that's a similar thing. Like maybe that's he, he's the only one who sort of can't see, or maybe he's a bit more internal. Right. Internally reflective or something.
0: It's a—it's—it's uh, it's funny. You you just, did you just say tubby? I did. Yeah. I assume he's tubby the yes. whole way
1: through because he looks so oh. uncomfortable.
0: Well, it is, it's funny. So you were talking about, uh, Nicholas Scott's artwork mm. and uh, you know comics are full of gods yeah. and you know goddesses you know who have these beautiful sculptured bodies and uh, I think that was one of the first things that I noticed in this was he's he's paunchy yeah and it's it's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> let himself go. He's comfortable, you know? He's not fighting
0: crime. He's <laughs> sitting around. You don't
1: need to you don't need those vanity muscles. You just need to like be comfy, man.
0: Right. Enjoying snacks. Exactly. He's such a fascinating character as well. Like uh, uh, no one really mentions Dan as a uh, as one of their favorites, do they? But
1: he's the one that um I think maybe because he's the most everyman, he seems the most normal of all of the people involved in the story. That you kind of like, he's always stuck with me. Like right. I just feel sorry for him. Right? Yeah, the whole comic. You yeah. just always feel like you weren't ready for this. You weren't. You weren't really supposed to be in this weird crew of weirdos. Yeah, but he's um. There's obviously something so kind of off with him, Do you right? Know what I mean, yeah. And I always like this comic. The main thing that sticks out to me is how uh, obsessed with sex it is and, like, sexual deviancy. Yes. Um, And he seems to have, like, the most... His is the most kept close. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, he's essentially, like, you know, we find out later, he's almost borderline impotent. Yeah. Until he goes out and has an adventure and then it's like, he's back, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Get Nicola in. She can really draw his adventures now. But uh, but I think he's possibly almost the... um, he, he might actually just be the nicest character yeah. in it as well like he, he seems innately good
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah and the uh, a lot of the other characters it, it, it's fascinating comedian um, immediately is uh you, like a character that you don't like at all of course but then there are just kind of mildly I, I, I don't i think redeeming is the wrong word i don't i think he's irredeemable but there are just moments where you, you, you kind of get him.
1: Yeah, you see his point. Yes, every now and again, and yeah. it kind of shocks you. Same with Rorschach because I find Rorschach such a like he's such an unpleasant character. Right. I think intentionally, I would yes. assume because he's so like, uh, gross. He makes you feel really uncomfortable oh, all the yeah. time. Um, he looks
0: like he smells. That was yeah, the first. Yeah. He was the first uh, as a kid because uh, I read this as individual issues when it was came out. Was that really exciting? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and. uh... It was the first time I'd ever seen a comic book character that I could smell. Yeah. And he looks like he stinks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they talk about his stench all the time. And that that panel where... I mean, the the panel where you just hear his eating. Oh, yeah. God, that's so clever. Yes. Um, And it's so immediately you understand how...
0: Oh, so have you seen the trailers for the TV show? You know, I haven't. Oh, there is. So there's a scene where a new character is watching a TV show and he's got like a mask kind of pulled over two thirds of his face and it looks like he's eating beans out of a can mm. and you can hear him eating. Yeah. And it was one of the things, one of the many things in the trailer that I went, yeah, that's good. Yeah. You, you've good. got that. You've
1: understood that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, yeah, hearing him eat all the time and yeah, it's a, uh, and it really throws you into the world very quickly, doesn't Absolutely. it? There's no time to, kind of get used to it yeah
1: i mean this this like as a first issue it's such a belter like yeah. it's just bonkers that first um i mean dave gibbons is so good so holy good, moly right? um and that panel where you're introduced to dr manhattan like i can imagine what that was like reading that for the first time oh, and just right. opening to this huge
0: naked, blue, naked man. blue guy yeah like that would have just blown my mind that is an intimidating shot sure if is. he turns <laughs> around right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um so early on, we have uh, heroes in this being referred to as masks and weirdos. You've just referred to them mm. as weirdos. Uh, in a comic that aims for a level of science fiction realism, do you, do you agree that superheroes would be treated with suspicion or hostility? I, I guess I guess you would to a certain I mean, extent. I I'd hope so. Right. Like,
2: they're... Cl- Hold up.
1: Clearly weirdos. And they're clearly insane. Yeah. And I wouldn't want any of those people having any kind of uh, power or freedom to do what they think is morally just. Right. You know, like, Rorschach especially is so um, anti-woman and anti-sex, I find, throughout the whole thing. He so often equates, like, sex and fornication with murder. Yeah. That you're like, I don't want, I don't think you should be in charge of weapons. I think you should be in charge.
0: (laughs) But then he... Then he, you know, he takes out that rapist. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, He He's a he's a fascinating character because you, you're so right about his weird relationship towards sex and yeah. with women. But then he's he's also really polite. Like he's, he's incredibly kind, polite. He's kind of got good manners. Yeah, which is <laughs> strange as well, isn't it? And that's a, a you know you when, when you kind of come from, uh, you know, the comic book world, and then you get to this and you go, wow, these people feel real, even yeah. if what they're doing is bizarre.
1: Yeah. I think that's, like, that's definitely one of the interesting things about Watchmen. I like how serious the violence is. I think in superhero right. comics, we, like, get really used to ultra-violence being right. this um, normal thing. And the scene where he, like, breaks the dude's finger.
2: Oh, And yeah. that's so,
1: like, you really feel it. Like, right. you really feel how... That that feels so much more real to me than right normal superhero comics. You and know
0: what I mean. yeah, definitely. And uh, and I hate that. Um, you know, I think this will be a theme throughout this podcast. This is such a, an incredible piece of work, and then so many people were influenced by it incorrectly. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, like I, I, I quite like Batman in his blue and grey suit with the yellow oval and, you know, and it's friends with Superman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I quite like that. Yeah, same. <laughs> you know?
1: It's, like, definitely Watchmen is such an amazing thing on its own. I think I had a really negative attitude towards it for a really long time when I first started working right. at the comic book store because of what it influenced and the people who gravitated towards it and the people who were like, it's the best comic of all time. I was yeah. like, we have nothing in common. Like, we don't enjoy comics in the same way. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of those people wouldn't there's a lack of respect for how much work Dave Gibbons did on oh, the book yeah. because people go like, Alan Moore, he's such a genius. And John Higgins, I reckon, as oh, well. Oh, like the lighting in the yeah. scene where um, Rorschach breaks into the comedian's apartment. Yeah. I was just like, man, it looks, it makes it look real. Yeah. And it makes it look perverted yeah. just the way that it's been coloured. Yeah. That's crazy.
0: And blood looks like blood. Blood looks like blood. Yeah.
1: Injuries look horrible. Yeah. And just, um, it's so, like we were saying before, it's such a dense comic because every single line in it is so intentional and dave gibbons puts so much thought and work and even just like the the sort of nine panel structure so guides us into what we're allowed to see in this story that adds so much to the mystery of it right um i just don't think that i don't know how i got into that i'm just obsessed with dave gibbons no that's not
0: yeah be completely obsessed with him it's uh, uh it's just never, uh, as as I said, had never really seen anything like it. And it almost his artwork is um, very clean, very so therefore clean. you, very classic, you, and you get good expressions out yeah. of that. Uh, did you read the? So I'm a bit fascinated with people who read it as a graphic novel. How mm. did you feel about the ancillary material? Like at the end of this, you have the excerpt from Hollis Mason's biography. Yeah. Did you get into that, or did you kind of? skim through that
1: at the time I skimmed through it because I was very much like and I still sometimes feel like this about like newer Alan Moore comics you're like why are you making me do work after I've just read that fun comic you know what I mean like come on I don't want to read yeah I want to read a novel now yeah Christ it's Um, funny
0: isn't it because I read novels yeah but like I get really a little bit resentful if I see slabs of writing in a comic because it's like well I'll go and read a book
1: Absolutely. And it's like it is like this snap that like takes you out of it or something. Because yeah. the start, like the way you read a comic is so different Yeah, than the way you read something else.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know what? That was the thing that I noticed with people who hadn't read comics. So uh, some of my friends who uh female friends who hadn't had comics around mm. them. Uh my friend Lyndall in particular, she would look at stuff and go, What do I look at first? Yeah. And you go, and the first time she said that to me, I was like, All of it? I don't know. But you just know.
1: Yes, I had a friend who asked me. He's like, "Do you like? Do you make the noises?" Like he was like, "I don't understand how you read this." And I think it's such a, um, like we were saying, like you can't date someone who doesn't like comics because right. the way that they see the world is totally different. Yeah, or something. You know, like it's yeah. a specific kind of visual literacy. Yeah, um, and it's about the way you read it. Yeah, that's why I like comics so much more than anything else.
0: Right. Right, yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal art form that mm. has an unlimited budget.
1: Yeah, absolutely, this incredible potential.
0: That's that's why I get annoyed, uh, and I'm sure this will come up again as well. But I get annoyed when they try to draw the superheroes to look like the movies. Now, movies, yeah. th- movies, they have to look a little bit realistic. Like they have to have a, a logic because those movies are close to the real world. Yes. but when it's a comic like that's a different physics.
1: I don't need Batman's costume to have seams. No,
0: no, you know what I mean? I. It's just no. one
1: piece of stretchy lycra and who cares? Cuz that's what happens. It's the Grant Morrison thing where he's like people like I'll write five issues of Batman and people go I never saw him fill up the Batmobile once. Oh. And he's like why do you care? Yeah. Why is that interesting to you? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well,
0: isn't the classic answer someone asked him where does he get the petrol from and he said I don't know, he's paper. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so good. Go, yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's what this is. Um I reckon Reading it monthly and and then the delays started kicking in. The ancillary material... You get a lot more out of it. I poured over it because... I had time.
1: And I love that in, like, my favourite format in the entire world is a single issue comic. I think it's, yes. like, the most exciting thing to read. I think it's the yep. most fun. And I love a comic that rewards you for buying it in single yes. rather than waiting for the trade. So, like, I love a lot of Ed Brubaker's comics because oh, at the back God. you get an essay. You get a whole newsletter for oh, him where he God. recommends stuff. you yes. get bonus art. Yes. That's my favourite thing.
0: Oh, you know uh, who I am in totally love with their work mm. is... Uh, Tim Morgan, who writes yes. all those <gasps> wonderful articles. So good. And uh, have you read her stuff on the new Tarantino movie, which she's probably no. having a baby? No, I you? haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I want what, to. What, she is phenomenal. Yeah. And those articles at the back, like those those uh, criminal comics and on that, that whole imprint are unbelievable. Yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of that as well. And I, I like, um, you know, for me – Buying uh, buying stuff weekly is yeah. that's me going to church.
1: Ex- yes, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and it's so much more satisfying. And I'd, I'd much rather read a comic book than a TV show. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But anyway, well, I, I also like I, I like. Do you binge?
1: No, not really. I'm not I, good at it.
0: I don't really like binging either. I like I like to. I like to watch it and have a think.
1: Yeah, I can watch an episode or maximum two. Two. If I'm really in the mood. Yeah. But that's about it. And I feel similarly about comics. Like I find it <laughs> I find it slightly hard to unless it's been intentionally like unless it is a graphic novel. Yeah. It is not like a serialized thing that has then been put into a um, you know, novel format. Right. Um I much prefer to read things a bit of an issue at a time and sort yeah. of enjoy it and let it mull and then Next month you forget it all and you have to go back and reread it.
0: Yeah, and then also you find out if your thoughts were right or wrong. Exactly. Did I did I work out where this was going or, or did <laughs> I they never go do? <laughs> no, it's part of the fun. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm curious which aspect of the story points towards the alternate nature of the world with the best clarity. And uh, there's Vice President Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. There's the Gunga Diner franchise there's the weird smoking devices that everyone uses was there anything when you first read it that made you think oh wow this world like really set off that this world is different
1: not so much in this issue i think it took me longer like embarrassingly long to figure out but like the the electric cars oh yes i think is really interesting the blimps yeah everywhere um and when it goes further on i mean all the stuff about the vietnam war is very like yeah, that's that. Immediately goes you go like, ah, oh, right. It's a, it's yeah. a fundamentally different world. Yeah. Um. But it's it's, it's almost like it's almost a, a better world in some ways. In some right. ways, you know, like at least um, looking at it from where we are now, you're kind of like, ah, oh, they they have electric cars. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe they're not facing ecological disaster.
0: No, but there's a there's such a there's such an air of doom to every panel, isn't yeah. there? Uh, it's a I'm I'm curious. Do you mind me asking how old you are? I am 29 years old. 29. So, uh, so I was uh, I was a kid during the uh, in the 80s, and yeah. I, I had a real fear of nuclear war. And I'm yeah. wondering, did you have that fear?
1: No, that was like no longer really seemed like an issue when I was growing up. But I right. can imagine having that constant
0: yeah. sense of doom. It's it's a little bit like now. Yeah, absolutely. But um, the the ecological issues that we face feels it 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 feels slightly different it feels more like a slide into uh doom whereas that felt (laughs) like it could happen at any moment any moment yeah and i think uh i'm curious did you did that give you any insight into what it might have been like in the absolutely it's
1: such an ever-present threat yeah throughout this whole thing um like with the Again, further on in the issue, but when they keep seeing uh, the spray painted bodies, oh, the Hiroshima and, yeah, figures, yeah, um, that's very like ominous and very yeah. overwhelming. Because when you first look at it, that's not what I immediately think of, and then once they sort of position it like that, you're kind of like, oh, oh my god, that's really I can't horrific.
0: stop seeing it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, all the bands. Playing pale horse, crystal nark. Mm. You know, yes. It, even the the lollies, meltdowns. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like everything yeah, exactly. is like it. It really does feel like a world where it's like, oh, I just need to relax. I'm just going to have this drink of poison. Yeah, <laughs> the know? cab
1: company is called like Prometheus and yes. stuff like that. You're just like, ah, oh, the whole way through. There's like doom. Doom
0: yeah. is coming. The Gordian uh, locks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, it it really is one of those, uh, like each each chapter is so dense. Yeah, and, and you
1: can you can find as much as you want in it. You can just read it and have like a lovely mystery story, or you can yeah. pour over every single panel and find so so much. Yeah, so sort of fun.
0: Uh, I've got some uh, facts on uh, Raw Shark. Yes, please. Which is fun. Uh, so Alan Moore created the character inspired by Steve Ditko's Mister A and the Question. Have you ever read? any of those comics
1: i love the question yeah i recently did uh um so i sometimes go around to schools and try and uh, force children to read comic books oh, with right. little presentations yeah um and my lot la- my final panel uh, my final panel god my final slide is always just a big picture of the question and right. i go any questions oh, and everyone right. goes who's that and i go that's the question next there question <laughs> ha, ha, ha. and that's just a joke <laughs> for me um, <laughs> Just to please myself. But I love the question as a character. Yeah. Um, and I'd never... Ridiculously, considering their costume is almost exactly the same, I had never connected the two characters. Oh, right. Which is um, very dumb
0: of me. Well, it's... uh For people who haven't read uh, uh, Watchmen, when they were first putting the idea together, they were going to use... Uh, DC had bought the Charlton heroes. Yeah. And they were going to use all the Charlton heroes uh, in this story. And then I think they... They, they saw what he was up to. <laughs> what he was up to. And it's like, uh, we would like to keep making money out of these characters. Yeah. And you're going to make, you know, Blue Beetle impotent. And you're going to make <laughs> the question... I mean, he kind of almost is, guys. Right, um, yeah. It's like
1: when um, uh, Frank Miller wanted to do Holy Terror. Do you know that oh, comic? And yes. have it be a Batman comic. And DC yes. were like, you absolutely cannot do that. No. Please don't do that. No. Batman. <laughs> Batman
0: takes on, uh, what was it? The Muslim
1: extremists. Oh, my God. I mean... That's a, that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> yeah and it's' it, it, well, talking about frank miller's problems <laughs> oh
0: god that is uh that is a that's a really interesting place to go uh i I haven't uh, read Ditko's uh, mr a and Me the neither. question uh mr a is a newspaper reporter who wears armored gloves and mask and is known of his uh for his uncompromising principles and that there can only be good and evil no moral gray ground so Ditko's headspace was very different to, yeah. uh, you know, the 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 free love of Stan Lee's world, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it, his uh, his artwork is so interesting. You you really see that difference in Peter yeah, Parker, yeah, yeah. where you know the sinewy kind of you know kid mm. who looks a bit spotty and, mm. then, and then he kind of grows up doesn't he yeah. <laughs> john, john roberta ramita comes in and goes
1: he's a handsome man oh, he's now. Handsome deal now. with it
0: so I, i'd be curious to I, I feel like i should chase down some mr a and then uh, the question was a minor charlton hero who was very much like mr a uh, and was dedicated to moral objectivism which believes that moral facts are like physical facts and cannot be altered by what other people believe the facts to be, mm. and so you, when when you take that into account, you go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah
1: that could. makes a lot of sense in the context of Roshak. He's like, yeah. this is right and wrong, yeah, and I am the like, I'm the only one who can see it,
0: and I'm the yeah, it's all I'm the up only to one me. doing anything about it. It, it feels like, uh, you know, the TV series, uh, and we're recording this just before it, uh, the first episode airs in a couple of days, but in the trailer, <clears throat> there is a. Uh, it looks like a, a KKK-style oh. group of people. And they're all dressed with uh, homemade raw shark masks. Oh.
1: I mean, go, he's quite in isn't he? Yes. A bit, you know, he's quite sort of um, yes. far-right yeah. vibes. Yeah. And That's definitely, like, the first thing that hit me reading it, um, this first issue. I was like, oh, wow. C- contextually, like, uh, reading it today is a very different... It's very different, Rorschach. Oh
0: God, yeah. And then you like, you you read it, and then someone's telling you, "Oh, yeah, Rorschach's cool." And it's like, but he's he's not. He's not. He's not cool. He's guys. Awful. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't get into this guy. You, yeah. You're missing the point.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, That's how I feel about a lot of people who read Watchmen and the Watchmen fans. Yeah. That I sort of don't have anything in common with. I'm just like you. We're reading the same thing, but we're reading it in a totally different way.
2: Oh.
0: Right. You know. It's so funny. It's like a, you're almost like uh, uh you, let, let's just th- this is why I don't do online dating. Because <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cuz I don't I don't want to have us both saying we like watchmen and then I turn yeah. up and she says uh how cool's raw shark, which I yeah. I would be
1: it would still be an interesting date.
0: Yeah, to have a woman tell me that she yeah. thought Rorschach was cool. and be like, "What? Oh, this is weird." But but do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you can't kind of break that stuff down. What do you think Rorschach Shark struck such a chord? Do you think he makes like young boys feel powerful. I
1: think it is a bit like that. I think it is he does have that thing because he has this thing of like, I can see the world and it's almost like he is seeing the world the way it is. Mm. But just the way that he interprets that is so twisted mm. and so wrong. But I can understand that feeling of like impotence and not um everything seems so wrong and unfair and you're the only one who can see things the way they are, and yeah. I think that I think that's the thing that young boys really are.
0: And because he you know, because he's such a Small, sinewy char- character. In many ways, he is like he's so far removed, but in some ways, he is Peter Parker. Yeah,
1: in some way, he, he is he? Batman. You know, like yeah. he's he's the normal guy yeah. who just happens to be like incredibly fast, incredibly strong. Yeah. Everyone's scared of him. Yeah, he's the scariest one, even though he doesn't have any powers. I think yeah. that's incredibly attractive to, to young dudes as well.
0: It's because he's uncompromising, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that's uh, and, and that's something that people have kind of played up with Batman mm. as uh, as the years have gone on. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I still prefer 70s Neil, Ga- uh, Neil Adams. Oh, absolutely. Harry. Super Friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that guy. He's a yeah, exactly. Um I've got some uh, uh, squid bits for please us please. to uh, go through that I thought you might find interesting before we finish up. Um, first panel, like you're reading from Rorschach's journal mm. and uh, he's also the very first character you see, but you see him with the sign. And yes. Yes. Like th- th- it's such a rewarding comic, isn't it? Yeah, to Go back and go. Oh,
1: yeah. He of was course. there the whole time. It's so clever. Um, w- did you have a? Did you figure out who Rorschach was before it was revealed? In the no, comic? not at
0: all. No, I would be a complete utter liar if I said that. <laughs> but uh, but there's so many hints. Yeah. That it's him as well. Absolutely. There's a, there's even a. Um, yeah. I, I think it's in issue. Six, whichever issue it is that he gets captured, which I think is issue, maybe it's issue five. Mm-hmm. Um, There's three panels where you actually, in if you look deep into the panel, you see the him as the Ender's nigh guy go up and pick the thing out of the yeah. bin and you go, oh, it was it, it, was right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have seen it the whole time. I could have seen it. Yeah. Damn
0: you, Dave Gibbons and your sweet ass skills <laughs> taking advantage of me. Um, I thought you might find this interesting, especially, uh, you know, as uh, having a little baby Mm -hmm. in in the house. Alamore didn't quite realise how effective the smiley face image was until much later in the series. And he talked about how there were tests upon babies that if you smile at them, they smile back. And if you show a picture of you smiling, they smile back. And if you draw a picture of you smiling you get the same and if you scaled the drawing back until it was distilled into the smiley face it was still eliciting the same response and so the blood across the eye of the smiley face on the cover is the ultimate in innocence lost
1: Ooh, i love it yeah grim oh
0: so grim man (laughs) i was doing all this um deep dive stuff and it's it's fascinating to like they obviously planned and planned and worked really hard on it but then all these little things come up that are uh, like a like, bit magic, a bit magic, aren't they? Oh, Alan <laughs>
1: I love the like, I mean, the strangest moment I think in the whole first issue is when, like, that really forced joke of this little stain is that bean juice? Oh, or yeah. he goes, human bean juice. Uh, uh-huh. So weird. Such yeah. a weird moment, but I love it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. But
0: also, like, what weirdos? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> human bean juice. Raw sharks go, don't open with it, mate, at, yeah. the, at the comedy store. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gibbons was the one who suggested the chain of Gunga Dinah, mm-hmm. uh, a play on Rudyard Kipling's poem Gunga Din. Um, the backstory for that idea is in this world, there's been a conflict in Asia that has led to famine, and Indian refugees moved to America and uh, their food caught on. And that's how yeah. you end up, rather than have McDonald's,
1: it's like a chain of cheap Indian places. Yeah.
0: That's so clever. Yeah. Uh, such a well uh, thought out world. Yes. Amazing, right? Um, on uh, page 10, panel one, the, the Not Top Gang, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they look like they could be playing AFL football yeah, I now. I know. <laughs> um, they're listening to an Iggy Pop song. Uh, that is Neighbourhood Threat. Uh, on page 13, here's a little really nerdy thing for you. Yes, please. Is it's the only time at the very top of the page that Gibbons broke the three by three panel grid
1: ah it is too, and he
0: said he doesn't he he wonders why he didn't have like the first one at the bottom of the previous page, mm. but it's it's the only time in the whole comic that it changes that very definite kind of structure,
1: yeah, I mean they that like. In terms of being influential, doing things in the nine-panel grid, mm. I think I don't know how often that was done pre-Watchmen, but it's been incredibly influential on, like, yeah. people like Tom King Tom and King. Matt Fraction and stuff yeah. like that, who are just incredibly rigid in their use of. Yeah. especially Tom King is so rigid in his use yeah. of nine-panel structure. Yeah. To his detriment,
0: I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you were. I, I have to say, you were completely correct about Heroes in Crisis. I always and am, you, and you picked it halfway through. Yeah. Too.
1: Yeah, I thought it was rubbish. <laughs> yeah, no, <I>, it <laughs> made me uncomfortable.
0: I really loved uh, Sheriff of Babylon.
1: His uh, first couple of works. And Amiga thought, Men. Amiga Men, I thought was so brilliant and I thought it was like such a yeah. sensitive and like intelligent and well-informed at it like yeah. you know look at the army and yeah. things like that through the you know felt like looking a, through green lantern of all things. Yeah. But um it since then I've just found his work incredibly samey and not not exceptionally. Um, not for me. is how Yeah. I gonna say.
0: Did you watch? Uh, did you read uh, Mr. Miracle?
1: Yeah, I really didn't like it. Right. I know, like everyone, this is one of my like love to hate. But um, for me, I I really love those characters. I think yeah. that they're incredibly um interesting. And if you read the like Jack Kirby stuff, it's so mind blowing how. Uh, fertile his imagination yes. was and like the amazing stories that he came up with yeah. and the, the visual of those characters I think is so brilliant and I just thought what he did with them was incredibly dull and yeah. mundane and um, borderline offensive.
0: Oh, right. A lot
1: of the stuff about suicide I think it was um, a lot of people felt very uncomfortable yeah. with um, and I just thought that's like the most like I, I like the idea of um, you know, having reality Enter the superhero world. Yeah. But I thought that the way that he did it was very, to me, boring. Right. But Mitch Jarrett's is a hell of a, hell oh of an artist. Yeah.
0: Did you, what about Vision?
1: I really liked Vision. I liked Vision as I well. I thought that was really clever.
0: I, uh, Vision felt uh, like 90s, third ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very much that vibe. Yeah. I and wonder- Gabriel Walter is, man. Oh my God. What a talent.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like super talent. And the, uh, yeah, I've... Uh, Heroes and Crisis. It just—I don't know. There's. Um, I wonder if he spread himself a bit thin.
1: I think so. I think there's definitely that thing, uh, especially at this in this era of comics. Um, new talents mm. are just—they get snapped up and then yep. they get worked to the bone. Yep. Like Donny Cates at Marvel right now is writing oh, so oh, many titles, so many titles. And Tom King once once uh, those first couple of series hit, he mm. was just everywhere. He was doing Batman. He was yep. doing Heroes and Crisis. He was doing everything. And they try and get them to kind of you know map the whole what the landscape of dc comics looks like and Mm. i just think it he wasn't i mean he's not he's not been writing comics for that long he was in the cia for ages yeah um and i just don't uh, what he was kind of pushing i didn't really yeah i didn't really
0: enjoy well i think he i think he explored some of those ideas really well and then he kept exploring them and it was like
1: you explored too far
0: too far go back Get some new things to explore. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And also learn how to write women.
0: Oh, yeah, you don't think he's very good? No,
1: I really don't. And I, d- I, d- I feel like that's a really easy like thing to say, but mm. I just always found like all of his women always competing over men um, okay. and just really, I didn't find their voices believable. Like a lot of the Batman issues with Lois and Catwoman in them, right. I thought, well, absolute garbage oh really yeah. yeah really really garbage which was annoying because they were very beautifully illustrated oh, but God, i just thought yeah. the voices that he had for them were just really irritating
0: the bat cat stuff really started oh, to that was, that was bad do my head in yeah and i've kind of stuck with it because i stuck with it long enough yeah. uh, longer than
1: he's sticking with it he was supposed to go for 100
0: issues yeah well he's getting his it's it's dc's funny isn't it there's something sub- there's obviously something coming up because yeah. it's like oh well we're clearing the decks yeah. again yeah What's uh what to, to finish off on? What What's the What do you think is the key for a man to write a good female character?
1: Man, I really don't know. Just, 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 just—they're just, just people. Write them. They're just people. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, I what I think mean, like, as well. They're just people. It doesn't always have to be about the fact that they're women. They can just. No, I'm trying to think of who writes good women. I think um, Grant Morrison writes pretty good women. Yes. I mean, they're always pretty like, sex obsessed, but I think that's kind of him, right? Hmm. Always, there's always like one really dominatrixy okay. character in a Grant Morrison book. And oh yeah. I recently reread Seven Soldiers of Victory, so I think that's what's in my brain.
0: Oh, the bulleteer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's. I guess that's exploring that. Yeah. That's uh, a. It's it's a that's a fascinating one to reread. I yeah. I didn't quite clock it when mm. I first read it, and then going back over I it, love it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, it's saying some interesting things, and then uh, the Invisibles, which is unbelievable. Yeah,
1: you know I started reading the invisibles for the first time recently and i have like the big omnibus oh. and it's so overwhelming <laughs> like it's oh, yeah. such a huge prospect but yeah. i keep putting it down because i'm like i can't i mean it's, it's the first. it's it's incredible but it's yeah. the first you know comic i've ever read where in the first issue he's talking about like kropotkin and all these like oh, ab- like God. anarchist writers and right. stuff and you're like oh man i'm gonna have to do some research
0: thank goodness i read that month like
1: <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i think it's the only way you'd be able to do it it's too <laughs> overwhelming <laughs>
0: Um, and uh, my my last good bit but we've already um, uh, just so you can see in my notes here Giant Naked Dr. Manhattan It's the bomb Oh my lord Very
1: I mean that's one of the best things
0: I don't know if this is dull for people
1: who haven't read Tom King's Batman run but the way he brought in naked Bane sitting on a throne of skulls I was like that's great I love that because there's nothing more terrifying than a man who's naked and not doesn't seem stressed out by it Oh (laughs) I cannot agree
0: of more. Like you know, in this because you work in the city. Yeah. Do you get freaked out when you see some dude just walking along not wearing a shirt?
1: Absolutely. Oh my god, I find it's it so, so scary. Yeah, you're like, oh, you don't care about anything. Anything. You're gonna do anything you want. Ah, oh, you don't care about social convention. <laughs> Goodness gracious, um, that's a very brave choice to have a big a big nude man. Yeah. Um, but I love it as a choice.
2: Oh,
0: yeah, it's fantastic. You immediately go, yep, he is uh, disconnected from everyone. Yeah,
1: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
0: uh, well, let's uh, finish this one here. Uh, your uh, podcast, Serious Issues, with co-host Levens, yep. is uh, is a monthly podcast.
1: Yeah, it's a monthly podcast. If we're lucky, I haven't been doing it for a while because I'm on maternity leave. Yeah. Um, but we just review everything that we've been reading. And goodness gracious, we read a lot of comic books. Oh,
0: yeah, that's, that's a lot to get through, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Queen of Kings, uh, yes. which is a monthly book club and online as well.
1: Yep. Um. So it's a w- hosted uh, in at Kings Comics mm-hmm. once a month. We um, you get a specific book. You get a discount on it if you want to come along. Um. Yep. It's for women and people who identify as non-binary. Yep. Um. And it's really good fun. We have a lovely time. You can look us up on Facebook, um, Queens of Kings, um. If you want to come along,
0: is there a is there a patron saint for the It's me. Oh right, yeah.
1: (laughs) They do call me Mother Superior. Oh, um, which is something that I have enforced.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good.
0: I like that you enforce it as well. Yeah. Thank you once again to Siobhan Coombs for joining me for this episode. She'll be back soon to help unpack another chapter in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. It's great to have you along. It's great to have your company again. If you're enjoying this podcast, please write a good review on iTunes or whichever platform you use. It would be nice to get this out there to the right people. And and when I say right, like I mean our people. So, uh... Please uh, give us a nice rating. And uh, don't forget to send me your thoughts and theories either at my site, justinhamilton.com.au or at the Big Squid with Justin Hamilton Facebook page. I'm curious to know what you think. Uh, I want to have a conversation with more of you. I want to I want to chat about this. I, I, I want you to say something to me that blows my mind. Just remember, we're in this together. And also, between reigning squids and falling comedians, just remember to be careful out there, people. We'll be back early next week with our next episode covering the second episode of the HBO Watchmen series. Thank you for joining us and I look forward to chatting with you soon.